So Centerpoint, we have been on a series over the past number of weeks. We got um, disrupted, not disrupted, but I guess we got uh, Easter kind of got in the way <laughs> of our series. And Palm Sunday and Easter. And, uh, but we've been on a series on the Holy Spirit and, and focused on the, the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit for a number of weeks. And the reason I want to talk about the Holy Spirit in this way is because I want people to get comfortable with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an it. He's not a thing. He is a person. He is a part of the Godhead. He is part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he has as much personality and as much um, of the emotional traits of both of the others. And so the Holy Spirit is someone, someone that I want us to get used to. I want to get comfortable with. I, I don't want you to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. So we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, let me just say that uh, we're about halfway through. The fruit of the Spirit is given to us in, in Galatians chapter 5. And it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, if you've been with us um, in the past number of weeks, we've already gone through peace, patience, and kindness. Uh, we're saving love to last, even though that's mentioned first, but love is the thing that kind of holds them, brings them all together. So today we're going to talk about goodness. And so um, if you want to listen to those previous messages, they're on our Centerpoint uh, website. They're not video, they're audio, because we weren't doing Facebook Live at that time. But they're all on our, our Centerpoint Assembly webpage. If you want to go back, you're, you're more than welcome to go back and listen to the audio messages there if you'd like to. But today I want to talk about the fruit of the Spirit called goodness. Goodness. And I think it's important that we also recognize that um, when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, what we're really talking about is the character of God. This is the nature and the characteristics of God because he exhibits all of these fruit perfectly and much more but when we talk so when we talk about the fruit of the spirit we're we're really talking about the god's personality his character and now he wants us to exhibit those characters in us because we're created in the image of god so we are to be able to, we are to um, exhibit the same characteristics that god exhibits but i know that we're flawed people we're imperfect people so for us it's a journey for us, it's a process of developing the fruit of the Spirit in our life. And so that's why we need to study it, and that's why we need to ask the Holy Spirit to continue to um, help us in our progress, to improve and, and, and develop joy and to develop peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and, and uh, self-control and, and, uh, and the rest. So uh, it's important that we recognize that that's the Holy Spirit's desire is for us to experience these to a fuller extent. So let's jump into our conversation today on goodness. How does mankind um, view goodness? Now it's interesting because when we think of goodness or something that's good, we always use it in a comparison mode. Um, in other words, um, I'm comparing a good guy versus a not-so-good guy. I'm comparing um, a good job, a person might have good good job you know, cleaning or washing their car versus a person that didn't do a, a good job washing their car. You can see the, 
the spots left on the car or something of that nature. We can we compare a person having a good time or not having a good time, or that was a good sermon or maybe not so not so good of a sermon. We compare things, and our and our ability for d- deciding what good, what's good it's always based upon our level of standards, what we th- what we consider good. And there's all the, the, our level of goodness is also depending upon our likes and dislikes. For example, someone might say that was a great piece of cherry pie. But what happens if you don't like cherries? I personally don't like cherries. So for me, it's not a good piece of cherry pie, but you might love cherries. So for you, it's a, it's a great piece of pie. Or what happens if, uh, you know, I, I read a lot of good Christian books, but they probably wouldn't be a good story time book to read to your three-year-old or your four-year-old uh, because it's a different level of, of good. It's a different level of desire or approval. Um, or what about a person that says, man, we had a great time today. And maybe you didn't like what we did today, so for you it wasn't a good time. I hope you're getting the point. The, the point is mankind uses goodness as a comparison, that we compare myself against somebody else or my likes against somebody else's likes. But the fruit of the Spirit of goodness is not a subjective goodness like what we're talking about for men. The non-subjective form of goodness raises the question, can mankind be good enough in himself to please God? Think about that. Can mankind be good enough in ourselves to please God? Well, that's a great question. That's not a good question. That's a great question. Because there are many people in this world that have this Feeling, or they have this sense that, yeah, I can be good enough to please God, and and I can just be good enough in my goodness, in my human nature, to be good enough to go to heaven. I don't need any more than just to be good enough. Well, I will just ask you to look at how the enemy looks at good in the in the area of comparisons. Can you just see how the enemy would use our comparison model? of goodness over the non-comparison model of God's standards of goodness. There's a big difference between the way I define goodness and the way God defines goodness. The devil always uses a, a twisted version of God's word to deceive men. He will get us down the vein that it's just good enough, but maybe not good enough according to God's standards of goodness. And most of the time in my life and probably your life, the devil likes to come in as an angel of light. He doesn't normally come in with a full force, full face on evil. He probably doesn't tempt you to go out and rob a bank or, or, or murder somebody. <laughs> he probably doesn't tempt you to go out and do the obviously bad things, but I can pretty much assure you that he tempts you with the good enough of his twisted perspective of goodness. That just good enough. I don't have to excel. I don't have to, ex- I don't have to desire God's promises or his perfection. No, I just have to be good enough. I hope you understand what I'm trying to say here. I have a passage in Romans. Paul talks about this. And 
before we ever really can get into the goodness of God, we always have to understand where we're at, the reality of where we're at in our our position in life. And so I want to set the stage a little bit. If we think we're good enough, I want to tell us what the Bible says. Romans chapter 3. Get your Bible out. Every week I've encouraged you to get a Bible. So please, go get your Bible. Um, Romans chapter 3. Write these passages down so that you can go back and study them later if you'd like to. I pray that you do. Romans chapter 3, beginning at verse 10 through verse 18. Paul says it this way. He says, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. I think Paul is pretty much reading our mail. I think he's pretty much telling us in our nature who we are. But then if you go to verse 23, Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We can give our best, but it's going to fall short of the glory of God because we cannot please God in our brokenness, in our humanity. That's why we need to have the fruit of the Spirit. And that's why we need to have a relationship with Jesus to continue to develop the fruit of the Spirit. Author Dr. Alex Ness, he writes this in his, one of his books. He says, God sees that all the goodness of man is only skin deep. It is only a put-on on the surface. Deep within undegenerated man, there is a capability of deceit, cursing, bitterness, bloodshed, destruction, and misery because there is no fear of God. His real self will explode as a smoldering volcano. Then he is capable of spewing out destruction that amazes everyone. How often have we all said after a murder or some gross sin, but he was such a quiet, good man. <laughs> See, the truth of the matter is that every person is capable of surfacing the not-so-good in them. And given enough time, they will. The old saying is, if you give a man enough rope, he'll hang himself. <laughs> and basically, we will, uh, in our own desires, in our own uh, best attempts, we will, flow, we will fall away and we'll fall short of the glory of God. So un until we see our own inability to be good, we really can't appreciate God's ability to be good in us. He's all about goodness. God is all about goodness in himself, and he's all about us exhibiting goodness, and that's what he wants to do. He wants to show us, he wants to develop in us the fruit of the Spirit called goodness. So what is goodness? Well, let's talk about goodness. The goodness of the fruit of the Spirit that I'm speaking of this morning is in terms of God's goodness, and since he created us in his image, we have the ability if we will follow Christ, if we will fall on our face before God, and if we'll invite Jesus in our life, we have the ability to experience God's goodness as he wants us to. But let me ask, let me ask a couple questions about God. These are some pretty 
thought-provoking questions. Let me ask you, is God good? Is God good all the time? Now, I know you're jumping into major, your, your immediate answer is, of course he's good all the time. Of course God's good. But I want to know, where do you get your answers from? Why do you know that? And why it's so important that you know your source of God's goodness is because what's going to happen? What happens in your life when things aren't always good? Does God leave? Is God not part of your life anymore when things aren't good? You know, as we prayed for Jim Jensen earlier today, uh, two days ago, God was good. But when you found out that you have cancer, you got to wonder, is God still good? It's important for us to know that our source of God's goodness, so that when those times come, those times of testing, times of COVID-19, you name it, the times of um, not having enough money because I'm laid off from my job, I'm on furlough, or whatever the situation is, it's important that we understand our foundation of God's goodness is not just based on the happenstances of our life, but it's truly based upon the goodness of who Jesus is. It's the goodness of who God is. So that, that way you can keep trusting him and that you can move forward. Uh, my wife has this little picture, this little frame in our house, and it says, trust the next chapter because you know the author. Trust the next chapter. And it's only because we know where our foundation is in God's goodness that I can trust God to take me to, to the next steps. Because life is going to continue on. Life's not going to stop because I have a bad day. Life's not going to stop because I have a bad news. So I need to know how to live the next day. And so I can, I can live the next day with confidence because I know God's good. And I know who he is, and I have that relationship with him. So I can trust the next chapter in my life because I know the author. That's a real, a real blessing. So as we move on, if God is good, then what is the opposite of good? If God is good, then what is the opposite of good? Third John chapter 1, verse 11 it says, dear friend, don't let this bad example influence you. Follow only what is good. Remember that those who do good prove that they are God's children, and those who do evil prove that they do not know God. So from this passage and others in Scripture, we can define God as being good, no matter what the circumstance of our life is, and the opposite of God's goodness is evil. There's only two things. It's either good or it's bad. There is no gray area. There, there is no good, evil, then semi-evil. <laughs> no, it, it's good or it's bad. It's, it's righteous or it's evil. There's no middle ground here. So today, I, I want to just talk about three things when it comes to the fruit of the goodness, of the, the fruit of the Spirit called goodness. I want to talk about three things. Number one, goodness is the nature and the character of God. Secondly, Goodness is truth and righteousness. And then thirdly, goodness is good works. All right, did you get those down? Number one, the nature and character of God, the truth and righteousness, and then goodness is good works. So number one, goodness is the nature and character of God. 
Scriptures are full of passages that describe God's goodness. God's goodness is above all things, and he desires to pour out his goodness on our lives. For those that love him and fear him and that trust him, God will pour out his goodness on them. That's a promise. And the psalmist understood this as well. Psalms chapter 31, verse 19. How great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. You lavish it on those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. God's goodness pours it out upon us. God stores up good things that come from his goodness for those that fear him. Fear him means honor him. Fear him means I revere him. I I respect him. I come to him with all uh, reverence. And I do so in front of a watching world because the world is watching a Christian person. A world is watching us all the time and they're wanting to know what, how are we going to handle things when they aren't so good? Are we going to panic? Are we going to give up? Are we going to curse God and die as, in, as Job's wife encouraged him to do? But God gives good things to his children, those that love him and those that more than just claim to love him, but those that really do fear him. Let me just say also that, that God's timing is always perfect. Hmm. That is so important for us to know because when we hear promises like this, that God's goodness is that he's stored up for those, for those and he's going to pour out his goodness on us, that doesn't always mean that every day of my life is going to be good. I'm going to have hard days. You're going to have hard days. And so just know that, but understand that God's goodness and his, and his perfection always comes with timing. And is, he's never late. And the old saying goes, he's never late, seldom early, but he's always right on time. So because we know that, we can trust him in that. God always comes through for his children. You know, the saying is, and it's the true, that bad things happen to good people. The rain falls on the just and on the unjust. We're not, we're not immune. We can't escape the hard things in life. Jesus told us that we were going to have hard times in this life. He told us that life would be hard. But he said, fear not, because I'm with you. As, that, as Jim's favorite passage says, fear not, for I am with you. God's goodness is there, and his timing is always perfect. Another example of God's character, of his, defined as good, is in, the, is in the account that Jesus had with the young rich ruler. You might remember that. It's, in, it's given in Luke chapter 18, beginning at verse 18. It says, a certain ruler asked him, who is him, Jesus, a certain ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus' answer may surprise us. He says, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. Now, what was the man really saying here? Was the man saying that, Jesus, you're a good teacher? Or was he saying that, Jesus, you're a good person? Is there a difference? Well, I think there's a big difference because you can be a great teacher and not be a good person. <laughs> and they don't correlate at all. Or you can be a, a really good person and be a bad teacher. So it's not the same. It, what, what the young, young rich ruler was asking Jesus, he says, good teacher. And so he was asking 
for Jesus, the goodness. And Jesus was trying to make the point. He says, do you understand what goodness is? Only God is good. No man is good. So Jesus is making the point that the way man looks at good isn't the way God looks at good. Goodness comes from God, not through the comparison model of mankind's goodness. So God's goodness can really be defined as God's holiness. When we really understand what God's goodness it is, it's really defined as God's holiness because God is so good, he can't be unholy. Hmm. Turn to Exodus. Exodus chapter 33 in your Bible. Flip back in the Old Testament. And let's see how God defines goodness here when he's talking to Moses. Now Moses is up, up on the mountain. And uh, up, uh, you know, that's where he spoke with God. That's where he got the Ten Commandments from. That's where he spoke to God um, in person. God spoke to him with a verbal voice, an audible voice. And Moses is asking God to show his glory to him. Show me your glory, Moses asked. And this is the answer that God gave. Exodus chapter 33, verse 18. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. So what is God's definition of goodness, holiness. God's goodness is really beyond what we can behold in our own flesh. Yet, because we're created in God's image, we have the capability through the fruit of the Spirit to invite the Holy Spirit in to help us achieve God's goodness. But God's goodness really is about holiness. It's about his God's righteousness. and about That's why he demands our respect. That's why we have to strive to be holy as he is holy, because that's his goodness. Number two, number two, goodness is truth and righteousness. Goodness is truth and righteousness. The fruit of goodness, listen, very important, the fruit of goodness will always uphold truth and the righteousness of God's word. The fruit of goodness will always uphold the truth and righteousness of God's world. As we've already spoken that the opposite of goodness is evil, then the opposite of light is dark. Ephesians chapter 5. Flip back over to the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Paul says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all, here we go, in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Goodness can never be unrighteous or inconsistent with God's holiness. Goodness can never be unrighteous. See, that's the difference. We're talking about God's standards of goodness, not man's comparison model of goodness. Because I can be better than you. Or you can be better than me. But we're, ta we're not talking about comparison to my standards. We're talking about comparisons to God's standards. Goodness can never be unrighteous. And it never can be inconsistent with God's holiness. Where goodness starts from is our acknowledgement of our sin. Our acknowledgement of our unrighteousness. That's where goodness starts. 
It starts when I acknowledge the fact that I'm not good in myself, that I need to have God's righteousness in my life. And then it requires a repentance that I'm sorry for my sin, and it's a turning away from my sin. And, it's, and, and I recognize that it's not just about me trying to be good on myself. It's no, it's I'm saying, God, it, it, my righteousness is as filthy rags in comparison to your goodness. And when I recognize that, then I can come before the Lord and I can come with true heartfelt repentance and a true heartfelt way of asking him for his forgiveness. Goodness requires our acknowledgement of sin. Last week, we said that um, we were talking about peace. And I said the fact, I said, when sin sneaks in, peace leaves. When sin sneaks in, peace leaves. Well, it's the same thing about goodness. When sin sneaks in or creeps into my life, then goodness can't cohabitate. I can't be good If I have sin in my life, I can't be practicing my lifestyle of what I want to do, how I want to live, and then still expect God's goodness and holiness to be a part of my life. They don't don't work. They don't cohabitate. They're opposite. God is long-suffering, and I appreciate God's patience for us and with us. But his patience is waiting for people to leave their life of ungodliness, leave their life of unholiness, and then enter into a life of goodness. That's why God's goodness is different than the by-comparison model of goodness that men have. God's goodness is always pure and always holy and always righteous, and it's not just about being better than the guy down the street. It's not just being good enough to sneak my way into heaven because that's why, guys, listen to me, that's why good people can go to hell. Do you know that? Good people, good, upright, morally sound people can miss heaven. It's not about my goodness, and it's not about your goodness that gets us into heaven. It's not about just being a great guy. I know a lot of good people, and I hope I can be one of those good people. But it's not enough. I have to be washed in the blood of Jesus. I have to accept Jesus as my Savior, my personal Savior, and I need to invite him in, and I need to live for him every day. And I do need to invite him in, and I need to invite the Holy Spirit in to come in and develop the fruit of goodness in my life, which is his holiness. Amen. Because of the goodness of the nature of God, the goodness is going to promote truth and righteousness, not only in myself, but in other people as well. Now, this is important because I have to be able to know that I have... um, the goodness of the Lord in me, but then I want to promote it in you as well. And if, and if I'm going to promote anything, I have to make sure I'm consistent. Paul spoke to his son Timothy in the second book of Timothy. Second Timothy, I think, is my favorite book of the whole Bible uh, because this is Paul's last letter before he was martyred. And Paul is saying uh, to his son Tim, spiritual son Timothy, man, if I've got anything to say, Timothy, i got it to say in this letter because this is my last one. <laughs> so he writes this, to Timothy in chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning at verse 2. He says, Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct and rebuke and encourage your people with good teaching. Now let me stop here for a second. Understand here what Paul is saying here. He's not telling Timothy to be a good teacher, focusing on a good delivery. 
because delivery is not the key point. Yeah, delivery is important, and I think we all can do better on delivery. But what he's really saying, he says, he's saying, Timothy, I want you to teach the good truth of God's word. Truth, teach the, the goodness of God's word, the truthfulness of God's word. S- delivery is secondary, Timothy. The message of truth is of primary concern and primary importance. That's why he says that you are to patiently correct, rebuke, encourage your people with good teaching. Let's continue on. It says, for verse 3, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itchy ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. And here's the key things. He says, and don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Goodness is knowing that I have to tell the truth. Goodness is knowing that I have to love people enough to tell the truth. And then most importantly, I have to live it first. I have to live it. I have to experience it. It has to be who I am. And I need to be honest before the Lord and say, God, I'm not good enough to to gain your, your pleasure, but I am seeking it through the power of the Holy Spirit. So fill me, Holy Spirit, and help me to be good in the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul spoke in Romans chapter 15. He says in Romans chapter 15, beginning at verse 14, he says, I am fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. You know these things so well that you can teach each other all about them. There's that teaching each other again. But he says, even so, I have been bold enough to write about some of these points, knowing that all you need to do is is this as a reminder. So Paul is saying that the goodness of God is in us, but like Paul, we need to be reminded to continue to encourage each other in our battle against the enemy. Remember, the enemy is battling against our goodness by bringing us evil. So as we do this, we are protecting ourselves against the deceptive influence of the enemy. But even more so, I'm helping you and you're helping me. I need you to be good. I need to see your goodness. I need to see your truth. You encourage people. That's the importance of church. Mm -hmm. That's the importance of coming together as a body of believers, that we encourage each other, that we uh, promote goodness within our body and in our community, that we can then encourage each other in God's goodness and his honesty. Finally, the third point, goodness is good works. What we do really does matter. Can I just say that? What we do really does matter. In in Ephesians, um, the Paul is again talking to the Ephesians about this fact. Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take any credit for this because it is a gift of God. Verse 9, salvation is not a reward for the good things you have done. Did you hear that? Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. We have to keep the proper text here, the context, the order, that our salvation is not based upon our good works. 
but yet our good works are based upon our salvation. That we are to do good works and we are to continue to do good things, but it's not to earn God's pleasure. It's because God has saved us through his grace so that I can't take credit for it, that you can't take credit for it, that we can't become prideful over it. Our salvation is through God's grace, through the shed blood of Jesus. But now that I'm saved, and now that you're saved, we have work to do. James says it this way, chapter 2, chapter 2 of James. It says um, in verse 14, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, Goodbye, have a great day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some people have faith and others have good, good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. <laughs> James, pretty clear here, isn't he? That if we're really a follower of Jesus, that from our actions, people will see it. That through my actions, people will see my relationship with the Lord. It will just, that's part of the fruit of the Spirit because fruit is for people to eat. Fruit is for people to digest. Fruit is for people to be seen and picked off my life. And so if I have, if I have the goodness of God in me, that I am going to do good things and people are going to appreciate that and I'm going to help people. Now, we don't do that to earn God's favor. We said that. But the goodness of the fruit of the Spirit living in us flows out naturally in everything that we do. And finally, Paul's letter to the 2 Corinthians, he says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 11 through 12. He says, So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live. Did you hear that? Then we will honor Christ by the way we live. And you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So as I conclude this morning, I just want us to know that our relationship to God as we've defined it today is not a comparison mode of good or not so good. It's not the humanistic perspective of, well, I'm just good enough. I'm better than the guy down the street. No, what I'm really doing is that I'm, comp I'm comparing myself to God's standards of goodness. God, what he wants me to be and how I need to live my life so that I'm honoring him and I'm, I'm fearing him. And I, I don't fear men. I, I don't fear people. I don't fear how they think of me or what they look, how they look at me. Uh, the outward appearances aren't that important to me. But what's important to me is, my, is that I'm honoring God with the goodness of the fruit of the Spirit. So I would encourage you to spend your time, spend your energy on the things that really matter, the things that really last, that you're seeking to grow and, you, and you're seeking to grow and mature the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Recognize that Satan is evil and he comes to uh, kill and destroy. John 10, 10, the thief for Satan comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 
So the question is, who you serve determines your character. And the question I have is, who am I serving? Who are you serving today? So as we wrap up this message, I just want to challenge you to go and practice the fruit of the Spirit today. Go and practice loving people. Go and practice living in joy. Go and practice being peaceful. Go and practice being patient with people, that being kind to people. And then, then finally, be, practice your goodness that comes through the holiness of Jesus Christ. Now, if, if I can help you this week, I want to help you. I want to pray today. But again, I want you to know that I always would encourage you to call me and call your pastor. Call your spiritual mentor, whoever that is. Maybe not, maybe just a friend. But call somebody and say, hey, let's talk about goodness today. How can I help you? How can you help me? And I, I pray that messages like this aren't meant to stay here. Messages like this are meant to go into your life and, and that you would digest it and that you would think about it and that you would review it over and again and you would say, Lord, I really need more help here. So who am I serving today? Who are you serving today? And I, I, I wish I could say, Jackie, come on up into the keyboard, but Jackie's not here. It won't be long, and we're going to have worship in our sanctuary again where I can say, Jackie, in conclusion, will you come up? And she'll say, what, am I not good? No, that's a long story. Well, that's a joke we'll tell later. But I just want to pray this morning. And I just want to encourage us all to allow the goodness of the Holy Spirit to permeate our lives. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. Oh, Holy Spirit, we just recognize that you are good. And you are good all the time. Even in the times that may not appear so good for me. Ah, that does not diminish your goodness. Because your goodness is always perfect. Your goodness is always pure. Your goodness is always holy. Your goodness is always righteous. And in that, I can then live my life in peace, knowing that your goodness invades my life. So, Father, I just pray for us. I pray, God, that that would become real for all of us this morning, all of us that have that relationship with you. And, and I pray that we would all encourage, that we would be encouraged to dig deeper and invite your presence. So, Father, I just pray for everyone listening today. And I pray for everyone here that they would just see who you are and that we would truly love and seek your character of goodness. Amen. Be blessed today. Thank you for joining us.